Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Billings, Montana. Yes, the great Montana adventure of 2022. <laughs> and Kathy and I arrived today in another Airbnb. This time we're here for three nights in Billings, Montana. We kind of wanted to set up in a place where we could sit down and, and, and get our breath um, <clears throat> from doing stories. And we'll look around the towns. Um, we've got some really exciting stuff coming up later in the week. We're going to take you to the world famous Bucking Horse Sale in Miles City, Montana, which is about three hours east of Billings. <clears throat> this is the farthest east Kathy and I have ever been. So we were kind of excited today to drive over here and, um, and do our thing. So as you know, we've been kind of traveling around the state uh, while we're waiting to get into our home. And tonight we have something really special for you. I have a great conversation um, that I had with a history teacher, a high school history teacher, and the other person was a historian in Butte, Montana. And if you don't know much about Butte, Montana, it's got about 32,000 people there. Um, it's uh, big in the mining days. It's a huge, still is a big mining community, but huge in the day. Big money there. Tons, sapphires. I mean, just copper. Copper was the big thing. And we're going to take you into a mine uh, tomorrow night. Um, we're going to go down into a mine shaft with you. We did a tour of a mine and um, we're going to show you what that's all about. I'm also on Wednesday, Bill London will be here live to talk about your election results. So that's what I want to start with on, on this um, tonight, because I, I wrote something today and I'm going to put this in the comment section. This is the answer um, that I got from a friend of mine. And I had written something today and on my blog about voting and how, you know, you need to get out there and vote. And I do believe in voting. I always have believed in voting. Oh, real quick. Our show is brought to you not tonight by Chris Dental Family Dentistry and also by Buck's Sanitary Service. And uh, I'll show you a little bit about, more about them in just a second. But here's what my friend wrote back to me. And I thought this was pretty poignant. Um, and and because because I believe that you guys can change Oregon. I really do. But why did I leave? And this woman kind of sums it up for me. We can take our money and move, which is precisely what my family plans to do. My vote won't change the course of Oregon. It hasn't for 26 years. The numbers are stacked against us and the tipping point has been reached. After the 2020 election season, including all the media bias, the slant, the censorship, uh, maybe even the cheating, I can't see how it won't be that way forever now in Oregon. I don't believe the lie anymore. My vote is not a voice. It has, hasn't affected a change in Oregon. I will put my energy and time into my exit strategy and Oregon can continue her course. I admire Rick's passion, though there aren't enough people left in Oregon to want to st the same thing to make it happen, sadly. Time to read the handwriting on the wall, um, IMO. Yes, it's pessimistic, but also realistic. Where do we go to put our energy, politics that won't change anything, or somewhere else like relationships, family, friends, neighbors, connections, even businesses and work? But voting and politics is getting zero of my energy, and this post is the last of it. Um, I get exactly what she's talking about. Um, and that's why Kathy and I left. Um, you know, I've been telling people to use your voice and I think you should vote, but 
I don't have a lot of hope that Oregon's going to change anytime soon. And when you hear the number of people that are participating in the primary, I think a lot of people have given up. Um, I'm 62 years old. Kathy's 60. We want to go live our life around people who want to change life and who want to have community and who want to listen to everybody, who want to be a part of a conversation, not not forced to believe what the mass believes because they want to be so open minded uh, like a parachute. Um, I've heard the slogans my whole life in Oregon. I've heard all of the, you know, we we respect all opinions. I saw how much you respected my opinion and still do following COVID. Um, and I've seen it all. Um, and so Kathy and I, had, we, we can't do that anymore. And then we step into Montana, where even the far right and the far left get along. You know why? Because they're in a community and they have to. Maybe that's what Oregon needs is to have to get along with people because you don't do it. You don't just you're not welcoming to people and their ideas. You welcome people who believe what you believe and you don't give a shit about anybody if they don't. And all you do is try to ramrod your ideas down their throat and you have the majority of the voice. So the rest of us do feel voiceless and I cannot live in voiceless. So I won't. And that's why we left. Um, if you want to get real with Rick Dancer, that is what's real with Rick Dancer. And here we're finding that. And no, it's not perfect. And no, everything doesn't go as planned. And yes, there are still people that are not nice. But I'll tell you what, we're finding what used to feel like Oregon a long time ago. And um, and I, I feel badly. I, I do think you should vote and participate. But I understand the woman, my friend's uh, frustration and causing an exit strategy. I moved to Oregon from Montana. I had always heard what a great state Oregon is to live. It's a great state, but the urban area that runs the state, I'm disappointed. Chris, I bet you are. Um, because what I find here is even my friends who are liberal Democrats, um, I feel like we all have been silent too long. We are all taking things for granted. Jumping ship and poking from the outside doesn't seem to be the answer. Uh, but for some of us, David, I think, and I, I agree with you, David, but I think some of us had to have to jump ship. We just can't do it anymore. Um, gas is 481 in Junction City. Well, guess what? It's 419 here. That's because of all your fucking gas taxes that your lawmakers put on your gas all the time. Anything they want to do, every time something goes wrong or they need more money, they tax gas, they tax your cigarettes, they tax your alcohol. And, and now they're finding even other ways to tax their tax you. We moved to Wyoming two years ago from Springfield, have never looked back. And that is the problem. Because you know why people are finding freedom? Freedom, freedom to speak and talk and, and be who they are. And, and people, you know, for years, I was president of the City Club of Eugene for three years. And people left when I came in. Why? Because at the time I was a Republican. They didn't know me. They left just because I had an R in front of my name. And these were the open-minded people, the ones who are inclusive of all. The only people you're inclusive of is those who, who suck your ass and do the same things you do. And that is the truth. So I sat down with some people, um, a historian from Butte, Montana, and a history teacher. And this was not the story I was going to do. But what I ended up doing is just I'm going to run the whole interview. And please listen, listen beyond what makes you comfortable. 
And remember, this is a community that's a little left leaning and this is how they see the world. And I want you to pay attention, but first really quick before we get there, I wanna show you a little bit our sponsors. We could not do this without our sponsors. And one of our sponsors is Buck Sanitary Service. So hold on here. Uh, dang it. Something happened. I did something wrong. Hang on. You guys bear with me here. I can't believe this. Where is that video? Um, come on. Oh, I know what I did. Okay. Would you guys hold on a second? Hang on just a second. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play Bill's news and then I'll come back with um with this story because i got the wrong drive up it's 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 a technical thing um oh man hold on just a second guys this is what's fun about life right when it doesn't quite work out right here's bill Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 a.m. and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, co-host of the Wake Up Call Monday through Friday morning, 6 a.m. to 9 on KPNW Streaming at KPNW.com because we're all tech savvy and stuff. Look at us go. All right, here's a look at some of the stories we're following. Is anybody going to vote? Have you voted? Is anybody going to vote? Well, right now, not many Oregonians are voting. Actually, if you look at the state average so far, we're at just about 14.7%. Republican voters have sent in about 20% of their ballots. Democrats, 19.7%. And then it goes down from there for independent voters, Pacific Green, Constitution, Progressive, Libertarian, and non-affiliated. Oh boy, are they turning out in droves, 6.1%. So that gives us a 14.7% state average with a whopping day to go. All right, the Eugene 4J School Board is set to vote May 18th on a proposal that was quietly introduced to ban individuals with concealed carry licenses from carrying on school property. The agenda for the 7 p.m. meeting on Wednesday shows action item number 12, and it will be, quote, weapons in schools and the adoption of board policy KGBB, ironically named, firearms prohibited. And the discussion is scheduled for only 10 minutes. Now, if you dig through their website, you find out that board policy KGBB would basically ban guns, people with concealed carry licenses and the like, from all school grounds. And it re would require that guns be locked up 
unloaded in a vehicle. The legislature, if you recall, passed a bill in 2021 called Senate Bill 555. It was backed by Eugene State Senator Floyd Prozonsky. And essentially, it allows school districts or really any other governmental agency to ban concealed carry license holders on their properties, like, for instance, schools. And if you violate the ban, it would be a Class C felony. So law-abiding citizens who have to go through a background check would actually be treated harsher than individuals shooting up heroin and snorting meth on the steps of the county courthouse. Well, after Multnomah County health officials asked residents to start masking up again in public, note I said ask, comes yet another mask ask. The Oregon Department of Education and the Oregon Health Authority have issued a new school health advisory, and it urges school districts to consider universal masking. This comes after the CDC recently elevated six Oregon counties, including four in the Portland metro area, to medium COVID-19 community levels. In the advisory, The two agencies said in-person learning should be prioritized as much as possible, meaning that, in their words, strategies such as universal masking should be considered before closing school buildings or switching to remote learning. But the Oregon Department of Education emphasized this is just an advisory, not a mask mandate, only a strong recommendation to consider masking before remote options. And a lot of people are asking, so when will it just become a mandate? Well, it was almost a year ago that the Oregon legislature voted to approve their $112 billion two-year budget. And traditionally, every two years, lawmakers vote on a budget by summer, and by summer's end, the fiscal legislative office releases a report on the details and where the money went. Well, now, this time, There will be no report, and there has been none. The idea by the fiscal office is to wait until later, sometime this summer, to produce a budget. So, in other words, the public, getting ready to vote, is left in the dark on the $112 billion the lawmakers spent. Some would say this really stinks. I will say it is, as Governor Kate Brown likes to say, the Oregon way. Well, where there's money to be made, scammers are likely to jump in, and that's just what they're doing in the hot Portland rental market. And according to Eugene Police, it's happening in that city as well. Scammers are copying information from real estate listings where owners are selling their homes and then posting it on Craigslist, offering to rent it cheap. Sometimes they encourage would-be renters to view the home during open houses held by real estate agents. Even if they're unable to actually rent the homes, They actually collect the personal and financial information from the potential renters. One Portland real estate broker says about 80% of his listings have been posted on Craigslist as fake low-cost rentals. Well, for the second election in a row, out-of-state interests have put big money into a race for a DA county race. This would be Washington County. This week, Kevin Barton's opponent, Brian Decker, received $20,000 from a New York organization supported by liberal billionaire George Soros. 
Decker as a defense attorney trying to unseat the current sitting DA Barton. State records show that $20,000 Decker received is from the group Drug Policy Action in Manhattan. IRS records show it is tied to the Drug Policy Alliance. A spokesperson with the group confirmed it is supported financially by billionaire George Soros's organization, and he happens to sit on the board. Barton called it a move by extremists to buy the raise. He says it's outside influences, extremist views trying to buy what should be a local county race. Barton says this race is a referendum on public safety and we have extremists coming in and trying to buy the race. According to the Drug Policy Action Group, it is the, quote, leading nonprofit organization in the United States working to treat drug use as a health issue, not a criminal problem. Oh, and by the way, they spent millions to help promote ballot measure 110 that decriminalized drug possession and has caused drug rates in Oregon to skyrocket. And they also spent a bunch of money supporting current Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt's campaign in 2020. If that name's familiar, he's the Multnomah County DA that refuses to prosecute many crimes in that county. All right, there you have it. We'll see you tomorrow, Election Day. And now it's time for Rick to roll out a little pre-election reel. This is Dr. Michael Brown from Chris Dental. Too many good people are leaving Oregon. Why? Because people like you and I have sat back for years and allowed these radicals to slowly take control. They have infiltrated every aspect of our lives, from school board members to governor. Well, I say this stops now. Let's take back Oregon. Stop talking about change, actually do it. Why? Because if you are like me, I love Oregon and I'm not leaving. So what the hell does George Soros getting involved in all of Oregon's elections? I mean, what is that? Why do we put up with this shit? I mean, honestly, why do we put up with this? I don't get it. And then somebody writes on here, Tom wrote on here, you know, part of the problem in the primary is it's closed. So it's only, yeah, you can vote for county commissioners and all that kind of stuff, but you can't vote for any of the party people because the, the, the biggest growing segment of the population in Oregon right now is the non-affiliated voters. So you guys in Oregon are paying for a primary that you can't even participate in because the Democrats and the Republicans are making you pay for their party. So stop. Just stop. And when the schools talk about wanting to give, put masks back on your kids, that's a hint. So you need to call right now. If you don't get mad right now and call them and say, no, you're not going to put my kid in a damn mask again, they're going to sneak it in. You, they work for you. God, figure it out, people. Oh, Oregon, come on. You have to wake up. They're not listening to you. You have no voice. They don't care about your voice. But you know what? I found that interview. And here's this interview. I want you to hear this. This is some slightly left-leaning comments coming in here, I think. I didn't really sit down and ask them about what their beliefs are. What We don't do that in Montana. Like, are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Oh, you don't, li you don't do the right thing. You're not listening to me. Um, these people... Um, were two historians. One is a historian for Butte. The other is a history teacher in Butte. And you listen to this interview. And if it starts to bug you, then you need to ask yourself, what the hell's wrong with me? And, you know, everybody said Butte should be a ghost town. Well, if you turn into a ghost town every time things got tough here, Butte shouldn't have been a ghost town three or four times. 
And in my estimation, that'll never happen. And it's not because of what we have here, it's because of the people that live here. The people make this town. The people that are, is the whole element that makes Butte survive. And you can take away all the mining, you can take away all the businesses, the spirit and the people will still be here and they'll find some way to survive because that's just what Butte is. So could you in some ways say you, you've preserved not only history in, in structural form, but in family structural heredity form? So you don't oh, even, yeah. people come in here and they see it, but you also feel it. Here's the deal. Butte has at times kind of got a negative reputation. I've heard terms that Butte's a dirty mining town. Uh, I've heard this for decades. Butte's not well, a dirty mining a town. Guy. Yeah, that's right. I'm a Dillon guy. But in short and in belief, Butte's an old mining town. Traditionally, when you talk about old mining towns, there's this image that, that comes to mind. Here's the difference. This community, since the time that it was the copper capital of the world, do you understand we produced up to 40% of all the copper in the world? One town, one town. We were top of the food chain and that slow declination in mining um, over the past, I'm even gonna say nearly 100 years. It's instilled a pride of miners and hard workers and ethnicity, who you are, where you've come from. That has never changed in Butte. And the citizens of this community have predicated their existence on survival. It's not the big mining conglomerate it was. They have never killed that, that huge economic mammoth, but they're still here. So they what's have, the glue? What is the glue? I think it's the people. It's the people. You know why the it's glue the glue is the people. You know why it's the people. You know, when, when, when the mines were really started here back at the you know, turn of the century, Marcus Daly was an Irishman from Ireland. And in the course of building his mining monopoly here, he hired and sent for Irish miners and Cornish miners and Cornishmen that worked in the, in the uh, smelters in Wales. And he brought those folks here. But they also brought folks from Eastern Europe and they brought Finns and they brought Swedish and they brought Germans and they brought, every nationality came to Butte because there was work for them here. They could find some way to survive and find an occupation that could feed a family. Ireland was going through some tough times. So when they came to Butte, they had, they had a way that they could make money and save enough money to bring more of their family here and survive better than they would back home. So what was interesting, as these, as these different nationalities came here to the mines and they worked for Marcus Daly and William Clark and F. Augustus Heinze in all the smelters and the mines that were here, these different nationalities had to work together because when they went underground, their lives depended on each other. So the Finnish and the Germans and the Italians and the Irish, they had to work together underground because it could be life or death. So they may not survive if they weren't partners. So there'd be Irishmen and Italians who on the surface would be natural enemies, but underground they had to be partners because that's how you had to do it to survive. And they did that. And as they came to the surface, they became friends. So these different neighborhoods kind of melded together 
and Irish started to learn and learn Italian ways and Finnish ways, and all these all these groups that were generally pretty monolithic in in their uh, their 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 cultural structure started to integrate. So Italians would start to marry Irishmen, and some uh, Mexican girls would marry Chinese, and Germans would marry Finlanders, and it all meld together because. Now their families together here in Butte. So the, the natural melting pot that Butte is made Butte a real integrated, tough, and unified town because they had to to survive. And that's how they did it here. That was it. So what could America That learn? was perfect. That, that's <laughs> a great dish. That really is. So what could America today learn from Butte America? Oh, you know, my heart breaks. I. I you know, being a history teacher and, and Mr. McCarthy here being a historian, working with kids and, and, and what we do in the state, and my heart really breaks when you turn the TV on. You know, we're so polarized. We're not defining ourselves as individuals. We're defining ourselves as a party and who you voted for in the last election. Yeah, and, and who cares? We're all Americans. Yeah. And, and we're, in we're all in the same boat yeah, together. And so kind of cool in Butte, we've, we've really avoided that. I think what Butte has done is, is they've taken those individual identities as being Irish or German or Italian. And, and as Jim mentioned, you know, we've got this blending. And so there's, I think, a little more understanding uh, than what you would usually find. And I think what America could take away is pump the brakes. Simply pump the brakes. It's not all in. It's not this or nothing. We're Americans. I don't care if you're a liberal. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're straight, gay, trans, uh, driving on a tractor in eastern Montana or the plains. When you boil it down to the nooks and crusts, we're Americans. Exactly. And that's what beauty is. Yeah, exactly. We're beauty America. We, we have to work together if you want to make this really whole thing do. work. And, and, and there are people that have they different beliefs. They think we're crazy. They, they look at us like we're crazy. We look at them like they're crazy. But we still got to walk the same streets. We still have to be responsible for our communities. You know what? We still got to be responsible for our children. We have to model what they should be. And you know what they should be? They should be Americans. Yeah, I agree. Not Democrats, not Republicans. They need to be Americans. So do you think the reason you guys do this is because it's so historically inbred in you? It's part of the culture? Yeah. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. The, the, why we do this is not... All the time. You yeah. have never been able to go... Here's a squabble and that's going to separate that's us it. because you're surviving. Here's the deal. This community has predicated its existence on survival. We are not the copper capital anymore. We have survived because we have stuck together. Yeah. People respect each other. They live with each other, even with their differences. Whether you're Catholic, whether you're Protestant, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, come to Butte. Guess we had them what? all. We got them all. We had them all. And by the way, these are the same people we go to basketball games with. We go to football games with. We go to their drama theaters. We go to their chorus. We all share the same food. And, and we all eat the same food. And we all end up somehow 
at our watering holes, the distillery in Butte, the head frame distillery. And the only difference there is what your preference is in a drink, not your political views, not your religious views, and you're not condemned for them. So do you guys like Butte? <laughs> yeah. That's a really silly question. Yeah. Well, it's, gee, it's, let me think about like you, it. We, like we would be gone, to, right? I, no. You know, here's, here's the deal. You know, we we're both you. educated, both degrees, doesn't matter in, in Butte. You well, know, I'm if you've got skills, you're a Grizz, I'm a cat. So, yeah. you know, what do you want? Um, here's the deal. Everybody's got room to be who they want here. And... As long as you don't step on my toes, I'm not going to step on your toes. Exactly. You can believe whatever you want. You can be in Butte, Montana. You can be whoever you want. Yeah. We, we don't care. You're not hurting us. Yeah. Just make sure you don't go out to hurt us. Because yeah. if you do that, there's a price to pay. Butte, Butte will take care of that issue. If you, if you ask for a they problem, they really do. We'll make sure we solve it. We'll, you know, it's you ask it, for it, and you will just get a Butte it. way. And and I think in our our particular situation, looking at the country and, and through COVID and watching these towns burn. I, I mean, they're lighting their own cities up. I mean, look at Jim laughing. I mean, we're, we well, look at our this city going, burned up, but just for different reasons. Yeah, it was arson. But in the it, 70s, you know, we had a lot of problems yeah, with fires. We did. It, yeah. was, it was friction we fires. Lost a lot right? of, we lost a lot of architecture we in did. the 70s. Gorgeous buildings, friction yeah. fires. When your mortgage runs up, rubs up against your right. insurance policy, it's called a friction fire. Yeah, it happened but a lot here. What we, see, what we see on the news is, to be honest with you, it's really hard for us to relate to. We all have different beliefs. We all have our limitations. We all have our uh, frames that we live our lives with, whether you're Democrat or Republican, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or Muslim or Jewish, whether you're, you believe in abortion or you don't. There's room for that belief. You don't have to believe that way, but you certainly don't have to shove it down someone's throat to the point where someone feels threatened. We're all a community. We I, all come together. You guys have struggled to keep your history alive, and now they're now they're burning it in other parts. There of the is. And that's now, bad. And, and here's the deal. You that's just bad. said we struggle to keep our history alive. No, sir. No. You we people, don't. You people love their history. We love our history, and you it's an entrenched part of lineage. our kids. We, it, Butte, Butte, has, Butte has an archives building that stores all the government records. And as a matter of fact, it's probably one of the premier spots for authors and researchers to find any information about All over the country. One of the tops in the northwestern United States. They come to Butte the because the stuff is here. Butte people have kept it and preserved it. It's got the only archives in the, it's, it's the state of our foundation. It's not something unusual. Okay, it's so, us. So let me ask you this then. Is that maybe part of what's wrong with our country right now? Is we are not looking at the past, we're not looking at history. I, I don't. I don't want to analyze what others are doing. I, I don't. Do, I just. It's not my business. I just look at what we're doing, and we all have we're the way we are. I think we were raised differently. The golden rule was the standard here, and I think people still go by the golden rule. That's the big thing. Now there are going to be people out there that hear that statement and go, "Oh yeah, we'll butte." You were called the Black Heart of Montana. You're only the by those that didn't live here. Only by they those are the that ones that here. haven't lived here. Yeah. Here's the other thing: we see the news. We see people tearing down um, or 
disassembling statues because they were Confederate or they represent this part of our history. Now listen, we have darker elements of our history that we're not proud of either. But the fact still remains, that's a part of our history. And just because you tear it down doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Just because you tear it down doesn't mean it didn't hold a significant point in our historical timeline. That's what we need to remember. And you hear people say all the time, oh, don't forget your history. You're bound to repeat it. Well, yeah, we've had some bad points in our history. But you know what? America has had some fantastic periods in our history. We put men on the moon. We had great thinkers. We have moved economies in our country. We have moved economies in the world. And yet they look and say, well, now we're going to pick and choose our history? No, you're not. No. I'm sorry that there was Confederates. I'm sorry there were Northerners. It was based on a thing called slavery. Collectively, as a country, we understand that was terrible. That was bad. That was like taking Native Americans and putting them on reservations. That wasn't good either. That wasn't that's, that's good. A, that's a Montana problem. That, yeah, but and nationally, yeah. I think we can make the comparison. I think so too. Yeah. But you don't see me sitting here tearing down buildings because they have a certain name yeah. or a statue because it represents something that was negative in our country. We learned from that negativity and people died because of that belief. So do we all of a sudden stop and say, oh, I'm sorry, you died for the wrong cause? It wasn't right. Last time I checked, I was an American. So was he, so were you. We're just Americans, that's all. We're not infallible. And by the way, we learned from it. Slavery. You're not erasing. No, No. not at all. We're not racist. We're not because we believe that. I'm not a racist. We're not racist. You can't rewrite it. I mean, you you can't rewrite history, and you can't tear it down. All of a sudden, it didn't happen. That isn't how it goes. And and by the way, that's the message we need to share to our children, and that's what Butte's good at. We respect our ethnicity. We respect our history. Not all of it was right, definitely. We have the largest body of contaminated water in the United States sitting in our backyard. Are we now, whining about it? And no. No. Here's no Butte, we put a viewing stand over it and charge two bucks a head yeah. to go look at it. You get lemons, you make lemonade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But here's the deal. There's a price to pay for progress. Would you, you agree? Got a cell phone? There you, you go. You got a car? Yeah, I do. Where'd I that a, copper come I from? Got, Oh, yeah. Oh, you need copper for that, don't you? And gold. That hole. And silver. That helped win World War I, World War II. Oh, lead for bullets and brass? Yeah, hello, Korea, Vietnam. Oh. And don't we have silicon here? Oh, yeah, REC silicon. Do you like your cell phones? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before you start complaining about the environment, and we live in Montana. We are the first stewards of this land. I hunt elk with my bow 14 minutes from my house on the other side of the East Ridge. We know what we have. Jim knows what we have. Our children understand what we have. But what Butte has always known is that there's a price to pay for progress. And by the way, United States, we paid that price for you. 
and it's now one of the largest Superfund sites in the United States, you're welcome. Because when my grandma turned the lights on in her house, they went on. And I, Jim, last time I checked, who World War I, was yeah. that us? Did we win? How of course about, we won. A World War II? Of course we won, yeah. That hole was the price you paid. You needed the medals. Environmentalists, Sorry. God, I shouldn't say it like this, because there are some wonderful environmentalists. Yeah. Those well, we agree would, with a lot of things that they do. You bet. Those that you would keep give us a black clean. eye for yeah. that, okay, you're welcome. Because we paid the price for you. And by the way, we also believe in America and the Constitution and your right to hammer us into the ground because of it. Understand fully, price we paid for history is not a cultural aspect. It's a view from where you stand. And from we, where we stand, we're proud of it. Yeah. You know, it we, we learned a lesson. We're, we're, we're cleaning up. Yeah, we're cleaning, we're cleaning up, up things that happened you, in the yeah, past. Yeah, you can't fix that. They did that. things in a hurry and they made mistakes. Of course they did. We did. But, but we learned that we're cleaning things up. So and we're we know living we're, with it. We're, we can be... So before you point your bony finger and say, how dare you? Number one tourist attraction is that Superfund site. <laughs> people That's come sad, to see but it. people come to see it. They yeah. come to see it. But here's but the you deal. you can learn from that. Oh, Absolutely. Exactly. And we teach that all the time. And we did it. Yes, we did. Yeah. Butte Miners took metals out of that hill. They made that hole. And they did it prior to that with 10,000 miles worth of mine shafts. And guess what? America, you're welcome. Yeah. You want to see what it's about? Visit the greatest city. And now you know why we moved to Montana. So somebody came on and said, I can't believe only 14% of Oregonians are voting in the primary. Well, surely I think the reason is, is because maybe this isn't working anymore. Um, obviously voting is not showing the voice of all people. So maybe it's time you find a different way to do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I think you should vote. But um, obviously if right now only 14% of Oregonians, they don't believe it anymore. They don't believe in the system anymore. They don't believe that their votes are being counted because they weren't the last time. So people are done with their bullshit. And Connie, you came on, and I'm not going to go back and find your little comment on there, but you said, oh, Rick, I see a lot of dialogue going on in the community, and you come on here, and you're just a bummer, and why don't you talk positive? Well, one, Connie, you don't have to hang out here if you don't want to. But two, here's the problem in your little world in Oregon, Connie, with your friends and you. You're having the conversation with yourself. And there's a whole bunch of people out there who are so frustrated because you own the conversation and they have nothing to say in it. That is not a conversation. That's a monologue. So, Connie, what you're having is your own little monologue. And all you can do is come on here on my page and try to make little snide comments about things. The problem is, Connie, that you're running Oregon and you and your friends and you're running it right into the fucking ground. And that's what people are tired of. They're tired of your taxes. They're tired of you not listening. They're tired of your openness that really isn't open. It's as closed as a door can be. And what they want is more of what they just heard in that interview. Is Democrats, Republicans, non-affiliated voters, gays, lesbians, 
any whoever all just in one conversation doing what's best for one community not one ideology and when oregon gets away from that you'll see the mass exodus stop and connie then you'll start having a real conversation with everyone not a monologue with you and your friends and yourself that's the problem in oregon so i want to thank those two gentlemen for doing that and we're going to be presenting a ton more of that kind of stuff. Tomorrow night, we're going to take you down into the mines um, and show you, Kathy and I got a tour of those mines. Later this week, we'll take you to Phillipsburg. We're going to take you to a ghost town. Um, and we'll also have Bill London on Wednesday. He's going to be here live um, to talk about the election results, although it sounds like it's not going to be that big a deal because not many of you are even participating in that primary election. Um, I got one more thing I want to show you. Um, Kathy and I went on a big hike yesterday and we kind of overdid it. We weren't expecting snow and we were in our tennis shoes and hiking nine and a half miles um, into the wilderness, which was absolutely beautiful. And then when we're done, you have to stretch. <laughs> this is us after. I don't know if you can see that. That's after. That was nine miles, nine and a quarter almost, my watch said. Nine, nine, yeah, nine and a quarter hike in mostly snow. And most of it was snow. But we didn't have snowshoes on. And now we're done. So tonight it's Mexican food and lots of chips. Lots of chips. Oh, here's our recovery food. So <laughs> that's what we, we've been having. And then on Thursday, we're going to take you to the world famous bucking horse sale in Miles City, Montana, which is about three hours um, east of here. And we'll get more interviews for you because you guys seem to really like that. And isn't it nice to hear people uh, talk normal and not talk down to you? It is. It's quite refreshing. So again, we want to thank our sponsors, Buck Sanitary Service. We couldn't do this without you. And Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. And we will, if you would do this, take this and share this on your page so that other people can see that interview and see what people are talking about in Montana. I think it's super important. And um, yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to go explore the place called Billings. I'll see you tomorrow night right here with Kim Stark. Elements Health Clubs, and Bill London talking about your election. Now, get out there and vote. And if you don't vote, at least make your voice heard. Call your school and tell them, no, we're not doing the mask thing again. Start a ruckus. Come on, Oregon. Grow a pair.